Welcome to episode six of Joe Thomas's Film Room. I'm your host, Andrew Gribble. This week in the film room, Joe breaks down one of the best up-and-coming defensive stars in the NFL and Steelers outside linebacker TJ Watt. In only two years, Watt has established himself as one of the best all-around players in the game with over 120 tackles and 20 sacks while only missing one game. Enjoy this week's film breakdown of TJ Watt. Joe, this is the first game of your last season with the Cleveland Browns, and you are lined up against the guy in his first game of his NFL career. <laughs> but he, he has a big name, T.J. Watt. Went to your alma mater, so you maybe knew a little bit about him. As a veteran left tackle, you're going up against your rookie. What can you even do to start preparing for a guy like that? Mm -hmm. The best thing you're going to do is you're going to watch all of his preseason snaps. Uh, typically, as a rookie, he's going to get more preseason snaps than the rest of the guys. So you'll probably have a good sample size of maybe – 60 plays or so that you can kind of fall back on. Definitely not the book that, say, a James Harrison would have after four or five years in the NFL where you've got you know hundreds of games literally that you can watch, and then you can figure out their tendencies. You go into this game actually with a lot more nervousness than I would personally going against a guy like Dwight Freeney or James Harrison or Jason Taylor because there's a, an element of unknown. I always felt that I could out-prepare my opponent and going into the game, I would know what he was going to do before he was going to do it. And that gave me an enormous amount of confidence that he may be a great spin move guy like Dwight Freeney. He may have the best spin move of all time, but I know it's coming and I know the right technique to use and the right move to use to defeat it. Yeah. So it was just a matter of getting to that move, right, and, and recognizing it. And I always felt like I could recognize it quickly. You go against a guy like T.J. Watt, you're going to try to come up with a game plan that attacks his strengths mm -hmm. And whatever his weaknesses are, you weren't going to be as afraid of it because you could always expect, like, if he goes to that, whatever his weakness is, I'm going to be able to recover it in time because he's not that good at it, whatever it is. But if you don't know what his strengths are and you don't know what his weaknesses <laughs> are, how do you come up with a good game plan? You know, yeah. I always felt like the way I would prepare against a defensive lineman was kind of how the Patriots would always prepare for a team, right? They're always going to take away whatever you do the best. That's what I always want to do. Whatever he's going to do the best, I'm going to take that away right away. So he's going to have to go to his third, fourth best move to try to beat me. Well, you go against T.J. Watt, you don't know what that is. And so yeah. there's a, this element of surprise that you don't know, the unknown. And as a, a veteran player, that makes you uneasy. And when he's clearly in his rookie season, as athletic as he's ever going to be, you're in your last season, you didn't play much in the preseason, didn't do, do a ton in training camp. Where are you from a preparation standpoint, athletically against a guy yeah. like T.J. Watt? Well, there's nothing you can do to turn back the clock, right? You're, you know, you're 32, 33 years old at this age, uh, going against a 22, 23-year-old. So there's nothing, there's no magic water you can drink before the game to feel 23 years old. So you're going to have to beat him with savvy. You're going to yeah. have to beat him with technique. You're going to have to beat him with your brain. And in this case, you can see the first play of the game, right? It's a drop back pass. It's a five-step drop from Kaiser. He should be somewhere between, you know, eight eight and a half to nine yards deep in the pocket with his back foot. And I knew going into this game that, okay, TJ Watt right now, he's watching the ball. Okay, so that, that automatically gives me a split second where he's not watching me in my set. So I know that I can take a quick set, and by the time he sees the ball snapped, he's turning his head to look at me. He's only going to catch me about midway through my first kick. So by the time it's like watching a saucer flying through the air, you know, you're turning your head and you finally, it takes you a second for your brain to catch it, to lock on, and then to be able to see what's going on. So what I did 
early on in the game is I'm going to take one quick set backwards and then I'm going to go get him, go attack him in the middle of his set. So before he even has a chance to get into the rhythm of his pass rush, while he's still got his inside foot in the ground, I'm now moving towards him. And the only thing he can do is try to move away from me. And I could do that because of his foot. He's got his inside foot up. So that means he's going to, on his first step, step with his outside foot. Now he's got his outside foot in the ground. The only time you can make an inside move as a defensive pass rusher is when your outside foot is in the ground. If your inside foot is in the ground, he would have to cross over and his weight is too far outside to be able to do that. So I knew that my set when I would take one kick away and then go get him was going to time up perfectly when his inside foot hit the ground for the second time. So we'll watch. We'll put it in slow-mo. You can see right here, I'm about to make contact. TJ's inside foot is in the ground, so all he can do is move up the field and away from me, and that's what he's going to try to do. He's unable to create any more space. You see, he's, he puts both hands out because he's going to try to create space to get away from me to maybe dip and rip up field. He's not able to do that because I'm able to get my hands on him, and because he's leaning so far forward, I'm able to recognize that in the middle of the rush, and I take my hands to the back of his helmet, and I'm going to try to spike his head into the ground <laughs> because this is going to help me further on in the game. He's leaning right now. The correction he's going to make is, oh, I was leaning too far forward. I got my head spiked into the ground, so now I need to sit a little bit further back on my heels, which for the rest of the game is going to make his bull rush less powerful because he can't lean as far forward. So we can see... As I try to spike him in the ground, he's got pretty good balance because he only goes down to a knee and then he's going to try to get pissed off and do the old <laughs> wrestler hip toss. But as soon as I recognize that, I quick try to put my left hand over his hand so he wasn't able to toss me. But he ends up kind of twisting me to the ground and uh, we'll call it a tie. Now, there is that, the is that all legal? Toss. Is that illegal there? I mean, could you have maybe sold a little bit more, a little soccer style to get You could. Get I, I think, for, generally speaking, these refs that they'll stand behind. And they watch, and the only time they're going to throw a flag is hands to the face either side, or if someone is clearly beat with your feet, and you grab and you pull somebody down. You know what happens after the ball is kind of gone is kind of just something that gets swept under the rug. You know, there, there's a lot of things that maybe are illegal or unnecessary, but that's just part of offensive and defensive line play. And is there, is there a part of you in a game like this where you're trying to get in his head because he is a rookie? So I think uh, the mentality you have early on in the game is discourage him, right? Yeah. Because you know as a, as a rookie, if you throw a bunch of different things at him, you make him discouraged, you show him stuff that's different than maybe was on film, he's going to think, oh, I don't have a chance. And he's going <laughs> to shut it down by the second half. So you want to make sure you send that message early because if you give him hope early on, like he beats you or he, he, he's getting the same things, from you that he saw on film, he's going to become confident, and you don't want to let a rookie have confidence. Is there a point, though, where he does kind of pick it up? And, and is there a point where you realize, hey, this guy's going to be pretty good? Well, I think just watching him on film and then seeing the effort that he plays with early on, you knew that he was going to be pretty good. I mean, um, a big part of being a defensive lineman is effort, right? That's part of the reason J.J. Watt is such a great player. Part of the reason T.J. Watt is a great player it's because they give effort. They give yeah. unlimited effort on every single play. And effort is what gets you sacks more than anything in the NFL. Just from your perspective, when you watch these guys, what they're doing on every play, like it, it seems like such a simple thing to just try hard. Yeah. I mean, everyone, right. everyone that's sitting on their couch, like, how could they not try hard for three yeah, hours? Yeah, yeah. But how hard is that play after play yeah. to give that much energy 
Well, you know, as an offensive lineman, we make fun of defensive linemen because they don't play every snap. Yeah. Be- because they can't. Because it's so physically exhausting. Like, you look at an offensive lineman play, right? It's three to four seconds of blocking, and then you're kind of jogging down the field going to wherever the new huddle is going to be. But as a defensive lineman, when the ball is thrown, your job is only beginning. Right. Yeah. Now they expect you, as soon as the ball is thrown, after you've already had a three or four second battle with a guy that's bigger than you, now you've got to turn and become a defensive back. And you're going to have to sprint 40, 45 yards, top speed down the field. And then, oh, after that, now you've got to go spend more energy tackling somebody, jumping on the ground, jumping on the pile. Meanwhile, the offensive lineman's jogging down the field and catching <laughs> his breath for the next play. So your play as a defensive lineman is going to last seven to ten seconds whereas an offensive lineman it's three to five seconds so just the amount of effort and the way you have to battle with a big guy then you have to sprint like a little guy and then you got to go tackle a big running back or a big receiver or a tight end it's just so much more exhausting playing defense is the effort the only similarity between him and jj or what where do you see some similarities if you want to yeah um tj's obviously a smaller player Uh, jj's you know six six 285, 290, he's a much bigger player. Uh, TJ's in that 255, 260 pounds. They're both pretty tall guys. You know, TJ's about 6'5". Both use their hands extremely well. You know, for JJ, the way he uses his hands is really the reason he is such an exceptional player. He makes guys miss, just whiff, because of the swim move. And that's one of the things you see with TJ a lot of times. Like right here, he's trying to get to it. You can see that I've got pretty good hand control with his inside pad so I'm able to not let him get to that swim move all the way but you can see he's still trying to work to it he's trying to engage the the offensive player he's trying to get you off balance and then he's trying to swim to the inside which is always the fastest way to the quarterback this was a game where I think you guys gave up seven sacks not probably not all on you in this one he he was he was involved in in some of them what what yeah I think he had two sacks and like an interception in this game he he quite a debut I mean so what where did he find his opportunities yeah. as this game went You know, on. it's funny. We always talk about quarterbacks sacking themselves. And uh, I think <laughs> in this game we had a, the quarterback sacked himself a few times. You can see he's got, he's got a nice little pocket. And, and typically when we're kind of evaluating ourselves as offensive linemen, you're going about three seconds. Basically, you want to give the quarterback enough time to go through three options. And you can see in this case, once the quarterback gets back, puts that back foot in the ground, that's his first option. Now it's the second option. Now he's pump faking, so he's probably on his third, third option. Or if it's a double move, <clears throat> you've given him plenty of time to throw the football. And then after that, you're going to still try to block. But generally speaking, from like a standards standpoint, you give him opportunities for three seconds, four seconds in the pocket you've pretty much done what's expected of you as an offensive lineman. Yeah, like I mentioned, you, you played with a, a number of rookie quarterbacks here. And it, when you're going up against a rookie on the other side, how much does that change your style in this kind of game, knowing you've got a guy making his debut behind you? Yeah, you can't change what you do as an offensive lineman. I, I talked about it um, previously that you have to have trust between your quarterback and your offensive lineman that the quarterback's going to know where he's supposed to be and he's going to do the things he's supposed to do because you don't have eyes in the back of your head as, a, as an offensive tackle. So you just have to trust he's going to be where he needs to be. And if he's not, it's on him. Now, you're going to be the one that looks bad if he gets hit in the back of the head and he gets knocked out of the game. But in the end, there's nothing you can do about it. So you have to control what you control, worry about what you need to worry about, and 
if things don't go well, you're going to take the blame. But as a mushroom, as a member of the Mushroom <laughs> Society, which offensive linemen are, a lot of times you're going to have to take the crap and just deal with it. Let's go back to that play because you guys are on the ground again. And yep. I've got to ask, like, what is this one of the more chippier matchups that you're going to face? And is so, this all part of the plan for him? Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure for him he's thinking a lot of the same things that I'm thinking. Like, hey, I want to prove that just because I'm a rookie, I'm not going to get pushed around, right? Mm. So I'm going to give great effort. I'm going to do little things after the play to try to assert my dominance, right? There was no trash talking going on in here because your pads are the ones that are talking, right? So you can see right here, JJ actually, he misses his right, or sorry, TJ, TJ. he misses his right foot in the ground, which puts him in a bad position. So being uh, the offensive tackle in the dominant position, I'm just going to try to pancake him, right? Well, as he's going to the ground, he's got his hand on the back of my head, so he doesn't want to be the one ending up on the bottom of the pile, so he kind of twists and throws me to the side a little bit. And uh, so it's all those like nonverbal things that are going on that you're trying to assert your dominance throughout this game so that when the fourth quarter comes, either you or the other guy is going to be already submitted. How much does that hurt in the moment? Like, Is that going to hang with you at all, or is that just something you brush right off? No, I mean, it's just it's something that happens on every play. I think there's so much adrenaline in, in the sport that um, as an offensive lineman, it always comes down to, did I do my job? Like, I want to do my job, and then outside of that, nothing really matters. Yeah. All right, let's find one of his sacks. So I think this is probably the first sack that TJ had in the game. You can see what, what we've got going on here is the offensive line sliding to the left. The, the center is sliding to the left, so you've got um, – a, th a three on two or a three on three when the linebacker drops it becomes three on two so I know I've got Joel in my hip pocket he's got the B gap so if TJ makes a late move inside I've got Joel there for me um, Kaiser's taking a five-step drop so he's gonna be somewhere around eight and a half nine yards deep and in this case um, he's going through his progressions he sees that nobody's available the right tackle gives up a little bit more inside the right tackle and right guard, I should say, they don't do a great job of passing off the twist. So Kaiser's starting to feel a little bit of pressure in the B-gap. So what he does is he's starting to slide to his left because he's feeling all this space to his left. So now instead of being behind the ball eight and a half yards deep, which is where I expect him to be, now he's basically exactly where I would be if I had not taken up space during the pass rush. So when uh, the ball gets held, Kaiser slides to his left. I'm blocking him. I run right into Kaiser, not having a clue he's right there. And actually, in the moment, I thought it was Joel because that's usually where Joel's going to be when you have a slide that's going on to the left. So TJ gets his first sack of the game. Of course, he's going to get up and celebrate like he did something special. <laughs> but in the end, everybody that's watching film knows that Kaiser just ran right into him when he tried to slide in the pocket. But you got to be feeling good there, too, because when as a player and a pass rusher, you never want to turn your head completely away from the play, but that's what he does. I mean, he's completely spun around at that point. He so you can see, again, the decision that I made early on in this play was TJ's got his inside foot up again. So that I know that on one and three steps is when he can make an inside move, right? So when I take my one kick off the ball, that's going to time up with his first step. When I start moving towards him, he's going to have his second foot in the ground, so it's not going to allow him to make an inside move. So I know right off the bat, the only things he's going to be able to do to me when I take my pass set is to bull rush me or to run around the edge. So you can see I aggressively go out to get him. I've got good hands. I've got hands controlling him on both sides of his shoulder pads. 
my feet are in good position. He is now further away from the quarterback than when the play even started. <laughs> so now he's further and farther away than the play started, which is great position for me. I know Joel's got my inside protected, so I couldn't be in any better position than I am right now. The, the play extends. TJ knows he's gone beyond the depth of the quarterback, so he's going to retrace to the inside. I'm still in great position because I'm between him and where the quarterback is supposed to be. My feet are in good position. I also know that now that TJ's retracing, I've got my left guard with his head on the swivel ready to come over and help me. And then all of a sudden, as I'm going to, in my mind, pancake him and throw him into the ground and humiliate him again for the uh, fifth time in this game, all of a sudden, he runs right into the quarterback and gets a sack, and now he's celebrating, which was uh, a great block by me, and it turned into a sack. So <laughs> this is how you get sacks as a defensive lineman. You get it with effort, and, and then when the quarterback starts scrambling, you're in the right place at the right time. Now, he's an ascending player in his second season now. Is, I don't want you to compare him to current players because he is T.J. Watt. He's in the NFL right now. But is there someone who you may have matched up with in the past that he reminds you of outside of J.J.? That's a good question. You know, a lot of his pass rush moves, the way he uses his hands, the way he plays with just a tremendous motor, does remind me of JJ. But like we mentioned, he is a much skinnier version. He's, he's uh, we'll say, a faster version because he does play that outside linebacker position. Um, I wouldn't really say there's anybody out there right now that just immediately reminds me of him. Yeah, it seems like Steelers always get these guys, though, don't they? <laughs> I mean, it, it, always a, a pain in the butt for, for years to come in the AFC North. Yeah, when, when you've got a good system, when you've got um, players that can be, you know, dropped into that system playing outside linebacker, um, it's great. I mean, they, they've had that same system for so long, and, and they find guys, they're able to evaluate guys that fit into what they like to do. And uh, it's tough when you're a team that, that is having as much change as the Browns have had for a lot of years. It's hard to get guys that fit your system because your system's always changing. And then this guy has even more potential because, like you mentioned before, he's going to reach that point in his career where he gets just as smart that kind of matches yeah. where he is athletically. I mean, wh how much more can he do in yeah. that system? Well, the benefit of, two being a guy that's in a stable system is um, systems ask you to do different things, and a lot of times it takes several years in one system to sort of master those things you're being asked. So as soon as you change and now you're doing something different on offense or on defense, you're, you're a lot of times putting everybody back to almost being a rookie. Now, when you're in sixth, seventh year, you've probably had a lot of the concepts. There's a lot of carryover. There's a lot of sameness between systems, but you're going to be asked to be doing new stuff, and it's like being a rookie all over again where you have to learn those things and you have to perfect those things all over again. So if you have the benefit of being in the same system four, five, six, seven years, all of a sudden you're walking in and you know as much as the coach does. And you've mastered the technique and exactly what you've been asked of you. And so you will be able to hit that perfect mesh of your physical on the field talent and your knowledge of the game and your knowledge of your technique and your assignment. Right player, right place, it seems like. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's, I actually may have been the second sack of the game here. And what you can see um, is, this is what we'd call a full turn protection where you've got two tight ends and a running back helping out. You've got everybody basically taking the gap to their right. So I'm sliding down with Joel, him and I are blocking Cam Hayward. We got everybody locked up. But unfortunately, when you leave eight men in protection, you only have two guys out on the pass route. And when they only rush four, that means they've got seven guys in coverage, which 
a lot of times it doesn't mean there's a lot of places to throw the football. So Kaiser runs around, tries to scramble, makes something with his feet. Um, tight ends and running backs do what they do best, which is get beat in pass protection. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was late, and TJ, with his hustle, gets his second sack of the game and almost blows out my knee in the process. <laughs> and everybody in the stands is going, man, that TJ Watt is really kicking Joe Thomas's butt. He's already got two sacks in this game. But nobody watched the film. Yeah, and, and, but that play right there illustrates the effort because that, that took a lot of energy for him to go all the way around. Granted, he was going against tight end running back to begin with, but... You know, that was a lot of chase in there to get Yeah, this speaks to his motor. You know, if you look at the, the yardage that he has covered on the snap, it's probably like 40-some yards, and it's like being an American gladiator because he's gone through three or four uh, American gladiators here that have tried to grab him. And, and the Joker and, does a pretty good job there. Yeah, and for the most part, they do a pretty decent job, but it's just that relentless effort, that uh, stick-to-itiveness, as you would say, that gets him the sack. And, and, and like we said, sacks... The majority of sacks in the league are effort, right? Mm. And that's why all defensive coaches are coaching effort, right? Offensive coaches, you're coaching technique and scheme and assignment. Defensive coaches, by and large, what makes a great defensive coach is you coaching effort. You're getting 11 guys to buy in, run to the football on every single play. And a play like that, I mean, that's that's the miracle. Your knee survived that and then the, <laughs> the snap streak. I mean, that's how close yep. that those snaps could be in danger for you. Right yeah, now. and it's crazy, you know, like from my perspective, my job here really is block Cam Hayward, keep the pocket clean. So I've done my job. Cam starts running. I'm holding on to him, which would be blocking. But as soon as now the quarterback's out of the pocket, I got to let him go. I can't hold on to him forever. So I let him go. And I try to give him one last shove, try to get in on it. But all I do is end up putting myself in harm's way, <laughs> putting the knee in, in the, the firing line there of TJ Watt coming in for the sack. But, I mean, you talk about what does a great season look like for a defensive lineman. You get double-digit sacks. Mm. You've had a great year, right? So, TJ's already gotten basically two effort sacks in this game already. And first game of the year, you've got 15 more opportunities. You give that effort like that, you're going to get those sacks. You're going to get the 10, 11, 12 sacks. And people are going to talk about putting you in the Pro Bowl. So, that's how important effort is. And that's what separates a lot of defensive linemen in this league is just the effort. Yeah, he had an interception in this game, too, where he's about 15 yards down the field. So, clearly a, a pretty big skill set that he's got. Yeah, and, and you talk about a guy like TJ. Not only can he, he rush the passer, but he's great in zone coverage because he is that tall guy. He's hard to throw over. And the, and the interception that you mentioned in this game, I believe, came when he was dropping into the flat and Kaiser tried to throw over him. But TJ's got those that great vertical. He can get up in yeah. the air. He can get 12 feet in the air and, and make that play and really shut down an entire area of the zone. If you missed any of our episodes, log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, join us as Joe breaks down the great Dwight Freeney. For Joe Thomas, I'm Andrew Gribble. Thanks for listening.